everybody. We are back, as always, steady, ready to go, ready to have some great conversations. We are pressed for time. I'm your host, Benny Rose. And as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Tyler and others. Another week here, and we have an awesome guest. And when I tell you awesome, this is somebody I know for many years that not only do I consider it, a lot of people consider it. This is the hardest working man in comics today. Okay. This is Victor Dandridge. Thank you so much for being here, brother. How man, are you my today? My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm doing very, very well uh, on this beautiful Friday that uh, I think I think we're all in a space where the sun is shining. And that's a, that's amazing because it doesn't always happen like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm having a great Friday and I hope you guys are too. Absolutely. I'm just getting over like a 24-hour, don't know if it was a cold, but uh, okay, okay. I was kind of dead to the world yesterday, as Tyler knows, but I'm feeling a lot better today. Way to shake it off. Way to shake it yeah. off. You got to do that. This is yeah, I, this is a reason in itself, just man, being here with you. I hadn't heard from him this morning, so normally we chop it up in the morning, like before right? the show, and I hadn't heard from him. I texted him a couple hours ago. I was like, hey, morning, bud, and he didn't say anything back. So we were like 15 minutes to show time. I texted him. I was like, dude. Are you alive? Like, did, you, <laughs> did, did the bug kill you? Are you okay? Did it get you? Yeah, I was worried uh, for a second. I was too at first, and I realized that work kind of took over as it does sometimes. But yes, you know, it's the, the nature of being pressed for time. And you know, I I love to say that it's as cliche every week, but they're really it's it's, hey, it's our life. It's not way to live in the brand. That's it. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. Thank you. So. Again, you know, it's amazing to have you here. It's been many, many years since we've seen each other in person. I've been following you on social, so I love to see the constant thank growth you, that you, you have, all your projects. The fact that you're still out there hustling in the con world, I miss it. I don't do it as much as I used to. Uh, obviously, you know, sure. we'll talk a little bit about how we connected there. But if you don't mind, just maybe let some of our you know viewers and listeners know a little well, bit about you. So my name is Victor Dandridge. I'm a self-publishing comic creator from Columbus, Ohio, uh, born and raised uh, in the the Buckeye country. And uh, I started my own publishing imprint, Vantage and House Productions, about 13 years ago, um, leaving a cushy state job. I worked for the state of Ohio and workers comp. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to make comics full time and dipped out on, you know, state benefits, which are supposed to be, you know, tip top but it just wasn't my passion and I wanted to pursue that for a while and so got into uh you know making my own books so we have a number of titles out ranging from all ages to teens to uh young adults mature so my um, uh, all ages title is Wonder Care presents the kindergartens that I do with Justin Casaneda um we had a phenomenal 10 issue run uh and and it's Muppet Babies meets the Justice League it's a lot of fun uh first book that I ever came out with was a more mature title with my brother Ren McKenzie called The Samaritan um Follow that up with uh, Origins Unknown, which is kind of an anthology series that I started with uh, Jacob Newell and uh, have an opportunity to kind of continue some of those those stories um, with Adam Fields and, and some other creators uh, in some new projects that are happening right now. And then, of course, my most critically acclaimed title is The Trouble with Love that I did with Harold Edge, uh, which is kind of a... Uh, a showcase that says if if Superman, a character like Superman, had a wife and a family, but then fell in love with someone else, what would what would that be like? How would he respond to that? And uh, just kind of telling just different, uh, thoughtful, critically acclaimed stories has been my jam. And in addition to telling my own stories, I've always wanted to empower other people to tell their own stories. So I go into schools with my Ucreate Comics platform, uh, which is like a traditional. A hands-on workbook series that shows kids how to make comics from start to finish and showcases the the uh, educational value, the literary value, art value, and just creative expression um, of making comics. So just kind of building all of those things together um, kind of has, has become my life. And it's opened up all kinds of doors that I never would have thought were possible. Um, you know, I was just trying to make comics and you know, through my career, I've gotten into spaces and places where now when I go to conventions, I don't exhibit. I am brought in to be a moderator and panelist. So I am interviewing celebs and hosting events at Comic Cons um, all over. In fact, I just got asked to host my very first uh, celebrity uh, comic or yeah, celebrity panel at San Diego this summer. So I'm super yeah. excited about that. That's I can't awesome. say what it is yet, but thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited about it. Amazing. I mean, Thank what a track, what a track record. And uh, again, 
uh, it's just incredible to see all the different things that you've done over the years. And, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll, no, it's my pleasure, man. I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell everybody briefly, just we met many, many years ago. I'd say it's probably been maybe 10, 12 years, yeah, give or take. Yeah. Um, back when Wizard World was kind of still a thing. I don't. That's right. Is, is it? Is it? <laughs> it's gone, right? For the most part. Wizard, officially, Wizard World is gone. Uh, the shows, there were a handful of shows that were purchased by Fan Expo. And those still can continue for the most part. Um, but otherwise, the brand as Wizard World is pretty much gone. Yeah, Got it. Okay. So, yeah, many years ago, um, we connected at Wizard World in Philly. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, I was doing my webcomic, funny mm -hmm. enough, with uh, Adam. Adam uh, Soltis is you know, did uh, a lot of our art over the years, the original Press for Time logo from mm -hmm. like five, six years ago. And I don't know if you remember, but how we met was particularly a little party that you were hosting. Yes, yes. The drink <laughs> and draw, it, baby. Yes. Drink and draw. Yeah. And I've told <laughs> That's Tyler. I need to go to. I need a drink and <laughs> draw. Yes. I mean, uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, literally, it was one of the coolest, coolest, unique kind of just pre-show kind of things because it mm -hmm. was I think it was after the first day I, I mm -hmm. got there late. So, but long story short, I mean, we connected day one it was a lot of fun. Adam won one of the parts of the contest yep. for a little bit of a crude, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, poem that we won't talk about. Um, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to share that one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, there was a couple of things he did. If you remember, he did the uh, April O'Neil. Yes. And then he it was like, that. yeah, the poem was, <laughs> Pretty much, it was like write a write a poem. It was a certain length, and then at the end, like the spoiler for his poem was that he was sitting under a tree with his girlfriend who was dead, and just happy yeah. that the police didn't find him. <laughs> we try to be creative, okay? That's what it is. We were. It was a challenge, right? It I think it was definitely a, it was. was. A, <laughs> it was like we would play around with things, um, and for those that don't know, like though it's called a drink and draw, we would have things for writers as well, because that's how that's what my entrance is. Uh, into comics as I'm a writer and so wanting to you know have something that that appealed to both sides was important and so we would have sometimes very risque prompts but things that were just mad fun and people got into it uh in big bad ways yeah and I would say like I was big I was the catalyst of the concept of the relationship kind of like talking about the loved one he just kind of took it and turned it into a whole <laughs> other dark path but again you know, it, it turned a lot of heads and a lot of people laughed and it was cool. And, you know, we've connected since. And again, you know, I've seen I've seen all the stuff you've done, uh, the successful Kickstarters. And, Thank you. you know, it's it's an amazing thing to see because I don't know if you remember, but me growing up, my dad had a comic book store. Yes. So yes. to see what it's become now from what it was, right. knowing that Marvel almost went bankrupt in the 80s and the 90s Ooh. to even during the days of Wizard World, like it was more about like the MCU. Like that's mm -hmm. where people were getting off. They weren't really appreciated in the comics. It's, it's like, it's completely different now. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's a great time for you to be here because I wanted you to just tell me how you feel about how the comic world has evolved over the years. Oh, and man. How it's so important now. You know, what's funny is I think more than ever, um, we're in a special place where those of us that are self publishers or uh, do our own, create our own content have way more authority and power than we ever thought we could. Um, this was something that, you know, for the most of us, we got into it as a stepping stone to possibly get on with Marvel and DC or something like that. And now we're realizing that um, with some of the conversations about uh, ownership rights and things like that, we actually are in better positions Absolutely. than those people that we looked up to. Um, big shout out to Mark Miller. He is a friend and mentor of mine. And there were times when I'm like, well, maybe I should try to get on with Marvel. And he's like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, why not? He's like, why, why step back? And I'm yeah. like, you think that's a step back? He's like, I'm telling you, there are things that you are doing now that I wish I had done, you know, at your age or, or in my career at the time. And I'm like, but you, you're Mark Miller. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, that, that would be a step back for you. And I'm like, yeah. So because you have so much leverage in your own brand and your own yes. product at the yes. end of the day. You can tell whatever you story you want. You're not exactly. you're not beholden to to some overarching, hey, we want to do this, or hey, we don't yes. we don't think that character would have done that. We don't think that character would have said you, you're not allowed to explore those things. Exactly. It's exactly. very homogenized, it's very yes. corporate. 
Like, yes. hey, yeah, you can kind of tell a cool story, but it's got to right. fit within these guidelines. Whereas the stuff mm-hmm. you're making, it's you're asking real questions. You're telling a real story that, that can right. connect on a much deeper level than Absolutely. even the best of the brand name comics, I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah, because we've, we've actually seen, and Benny kind of touched on this, we've seen where comics have moved beyond just stories but they're it they're they're protected properties now that have to maintain a profit loss measure yeah. um, for a corporation so at this point in time like a story like dark knight returns could never actually happen nope you know at best what they can do is they can do sequels of what the original was because they saw on a corporate level that's profitable they could never come through and tell that story again because it could be something that radical right right like that's the thing like it's it was a super radical story in context of when it came out there's a lot of people that are like oh it's dark never turns you're like no here's here's yeah. how radical of an idea that is batman quit yeah like think about that like as a concept that is the core piece of dark knight returns batman quit could they say that batman is a quitter now no, like the, the last time that you had anything like that was Batman Beyond, and they had to explain why he quit by saying he had a heart attack, too, had to pick up a gun and was like, okay, now I can't do this anymore. Dark Knight Returns doesn't have any explanation as to why he walked away. He just right. did. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you, you just can't you can tell the stories anymore. And recognizing that we as the, the independent market, we can do any stories that we want. And there is huge power in that. Yeah. And there's a market for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about it, like, even when I was a kid and I'm, you know, we, we talk about it. We joke about it all the time. Benny's a lot older, not a lot older. Benny's a bit older than I, (laughs) Benny's a bit older than I am. Yeah. But what I say last week, press for, press for arthritis or something over there. He had his, he had his little tennis band, his his elbow band on and his, his pills. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, But no, like even when I was growing up, uh, you would get, you would get clowned for having comics in school. Like it wasn't cool. Nobody, nobody now understands that because everything right. is cool. Everything's accepted. Like that is such a piece of the zeitgeist. But when I was a kid, it absolutely the fuck was not. Facts. <laughs> you Facts. would get, you would get your shit destroyed if the wrong yeah. people saw it. And even didn't matter how cool you were, what groups you mm-hmm. ran in, you would get dogged by your own group if they yeah. caught you with comics oh, yeah. or manga oh, yes. or any of that. So those stories were so huge and groundbreaking mm-hmm. back then, but you can only talk about them in these tiny little groups. But now everybody takes it for granted. They're like, right. okay, yeah, sure. That happened back then. That was the story. That was that was Dark Knight Returns. But right. when when I was a kid, that was enormous. That huge. was that was earth shattering. Yes. But there was no yes. one to talk about it. So it it, it never touched you know, the general public, you know what I mean? I think that's one of the, the things that also people need to understand is that when something has become a pop, like a part of pop culture, like comics have recently, people kind of retroactively think it was always that way. Right. And you have to like explain like, no, like yeah. the idea that you can go to Walmart right now and get any number of comic book graphic, graphic tees. Yeah. Didn't exist when we were kids. Okay. Absolutely like not. to see a Spider-Man shirt. You made that. Like you had you made it. Like you know right. what I'm saying? Like that's that is you're what at home grew up with the little stencil and spray paint. That's it. That's uh-huh. it. You know, uh, a Spider-Man hat like Minnie's got on. No, never, never. Yep. And and the accessibility is great. It is a wonderful thing, but it also creates the illusion that this has always been the case. Yeah. And you know, when I'm talking to you know fifth graders in schools right now, and I'm like, you know, when I grew up, Iron Man was whack. Like nobody liked Iron no Man. No one cared They're about like, Iron Man. What are you talking about? Iron Man. He was the he was a drunkard. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, was a right. C-tier <laughs> character. Like, at best. Yeah. At best. You know, like, you know, you have to explain things. People are like, no, the MCU is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, those are all the characters no one wanted. Nope. And they're like, those no. are the ones that like, Marvel still had the rights to because they sold yes. off all the good ones they when they were going the bankrupt. <laughs> exactly. It's, but it's so nobody, nobody so remembers real. any nobody of that. Nobody thinks about no. that. No. And then you get people so, that try to go back and read like old Thor. It's rough. It's rough. And they're rough. like, how did this get famous? Like it didn't. It wasn't famous. That's not what did it. That, that's exactly the point. It's a different take. Yeah, it's a totally man. different take. Totally none of different. it. None of it hit. 
like it does yeah. now outside of yeah. very niche circles. And I even wasn't that huge into it. You know, I, I mean, I was, I was into comics. I was into right. manga more so um, than Western comics, but I, I knew enough and I read enough, but I wasn't yeah. a huge guy. Cause I didn't want to get bullied, man. I was, I was, but you I were was, a D and D guy. So, so listen, I was kind off. of, a, I, I accept <laughs> that I was kind of a dick in high school. You know what I mean? Like I was, okay. I was not a bully, but I didn't get bullied either. Like I was kind gotcha. of in that middle ground. Like I kind of ran with everybody and I was kind right. of a dick. So I, I wanted to kind of maintain that illusion. So I even backed off of the stuff that I liked. Went mm, for a couple mm. of years there, you know. I got you. I and, got you. And can now look back and be like, Jesus Christ, man, what's wrong with I you? I mean, no, I mean, but it's it's such a real statement, and I think it speaks volumes. Uh, when we have shows like Stranger Things and this last season that came out, and how people have responded to the character of Eddie Munson. Big shout out to Joseph Quinn on this one. People found themselves, and they're like, "That was me." And yeah. it the the statement of him being this heroic figure that's like screw what anybody else says be you and be yep. happy about that and everyone that that had ever wanted to be into it but but denied themselves or mm -hmm. um was into it and couldn't really fully embrace it that's the hero right there because he's he's all of us you know yep. um me being you know in columbus a teenager in the early to mid 90s um comics is what saved me like i say that on on everything gang culture was running rampant out here because as as anyone that is in Columbus uh, knows everyone outside of Columbus thinks that Columbus is a, is a cow town. They think that we're like so small and, and just like basically farmland everywhere. So the, the cultures that are trying to keep up with big cities go overboard. They, they almost overcompensate trying to show how cool and tough and whatever they are because yeah. they don't want to get seen as this small town piece. So right. we actually had like major gang problems and all kinds of stuff here. And that's like, right time period for me where like oh yeah i'm 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 right for that culture you know especially considering that you know my parents had split up when i was young and where my dad lived was one gang and then where my mother lived was a rival gang so going in between my parents houses could be a serious issue for me yeah. and yeah the only red and blues i cared about were marvel and dc like that was it like i'm not i'm not fighting with anybody else i'm gonna keep my comics and if that means i gotta stay in the house oh no i guess i gotta stay in the house and read comics because it's safer right. that way so you know, that's there's a whole culture, um, a whole cultural revolution that people don't understand has happened when it comes to geeky things um, that it, it didn't exist that way. You know, um, look at how many superhero movies there were in from 89 when Batman came out to, to we'll say 99. Right. Like in that in that span, you can count how many there are. There's like maybe 20 that are superhero comic book movies there are 20 in the last 15 years from Marvel alone. Like yeah. there's so much more content out that's comic related and people just assume now like, Oh yeah, it's always been that way. You're like, no, no, it certainly has not. And we watched the good and the bad. At least yes. I did. Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, it was Howard man. Duck. I just watched it the other day just because I'm a mystery still, man kind of guy. I still yes. love it. It pops up in the guardians movies. Still love yes, the Howard pops up in the Guardians movies. Up. Every time, every it's time. funny because you know James Gunn has his faults. There, there are problems there, mm -hmm. but it's cool to see that like he actually knows what he's doing, though. Oh yeah, like oh he's he, a huge nerd. He was he was involved in that culture long mm -hmm. before it was cool. Mm -hmm. Whereas some mm -hmm. of the other directors you get that are doing these movies have no they have no vested interest in these characters. Yeah, they have no history with them beyond you know the the Marvel the Marvel movie money. So yeah, it's yeah. It, that's what I always like about his films is there's so much heart and there's so much genuine care given to the characters. I feel of like, of course, of course, uh, I got to give a big shout out to his brother Sean, um, who plays Craglin and does the mocap yeah. for Rocket. Um, I just worked with him at Motor City Comic Con last weekend, and uh, uh, another big shout out. It was his his birthday was the twenty second, um, so late happy awesome. birthday to you, Sean. Yeah, uh, but. Having talked to Sean, um, hearing about how James really was this kind of super nerd, yeah. um, it is very authentic. Like, yes, there's some things that he'll come out of the gate with and he'll restructure, but the authenticity of his passion for it is real. Like, exactly. he is that dude. Absolutely. Yep. I don't always agree with it, but right. it's always coming from the right place. Like, I understand it. it. Exactly. exactly. I can understand exactly. it. I can respect it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't necessarily resonate with me but that's right. totally fine. 
everything doesn't yeah. have to. And that's Absolutely. I feel like people forget about that too, especially nowadays. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a really big one. I mean, yeah. especially when you kind of look at things and go, are there commentaries? Like, have you you both yeah. have seen Guardians 3? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, spoiler alert, and it's okay. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler <laughs> alert, spoiler alert. Um, I feel like the portrayal of Adam Warlock is a subtle, if not outright, commentary on how uh, Zack Snyder portrayed Superman and the overt kind of babyish, violent, yeah. destructive aspect of him where he kind of was like, yeah, it's not, that's not him. Like, that's not the right way to do it. And what a crazy, uh, like absolute brilliant way to showcase that than with a character like Adam Warlock, who started off with the, the concept named him and being this all-powerful being that was supposed to change everything in the cosmos. And here you, you have this commentary where you're kind of like, yeah, you see how he's all destructive and he's all, oh, mommy, mommy, mommy. He's like, that's not, that's not him. You know, and I know plenty of old school comic fans. I'm one of them. That was like the portrayal of Adam Warlock in that movie was interesting. It's not Adam Warlock. Like if you're a hardcore Warlock fan, you're going to be mad, like right. outright pissed. But in context, what is he telling us? Like he's telling us something else. And yeah. I think that's what it is. And it's kind of setting the stage for what we can expect from Superman Legacy, which is the exact opposite of what we got from Zack Snyder's Superman. He's like, no, that wasn't that wasn't Superman. And yeah. that was the problem. And I think that's kind of the core of what James is going to bring to us. So I'm I'm excited. I'm super excited too. about that. It's neat. You so you drew a connection for me. So I had drawn the line yeah. from Adam Warlock back to uh Brightburn. James okay. Gunn's okay. the yeah. the you know mm -hmm. the the alternate not mm -hmm. Superman Superman story. Right. But I didn't I didn't even loop it into into commentary yeah. on Zack Snyder's. Yeah. And now I that all it's... makes sense because because that's what Brightburn was. You know what I right. mean? Like that was right. the same kind of feel like, no, but really. Mm -hmm. So this was a th that was a that was a nice that wraps that all up very well. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, I think he's, he's foreshadowing it. Yes, yes. Like, I think he, he has something to say. And yeah. the idea that. In the, in the greatest context, this is, again, something, I mean, we're getting into leads, but this is, again, kind of that commentary on culture and where we are. The whole reason why James Gunn is in the position to create this new narrative for Superman is because where we are culturally, people wanted to point, uh, point fingers, bring out the magnifying glass, and bring up old stuff about James Gunn that got him fired. And I can't even imagine the pain that Marvel Studios... Uh, experience when they realize oh my god this guy that did innovative work made a talking tree and raccoon work for us is now getting ready to head our biggest competition like what are we about to do like and there there there's conversations of the current ineptitudes of of the mcu and how it's not hitting the same marks that it was before so now there's like this prime opportunity for a creator like james gunn to come in and go now we've got competition, which ultimately for me means that we will get great superhero movies, better superhero movies than we've had over the last 20 years, because now we have actual competition between them and it's going to be phenomenal. And, but it. it's going to be it's going to be whether or not Marvel learns that lesson. And that's kind of what I was saying is because yeah. that's that again, that homogenized, that corporate product mm -hmm. that they're putting mm -hmm. out everything. I mean, even Infinity War and Endgame. I like Infinity War. I like sure. Endgame. It was sterilized. It was corporate. It had to fit in exactly and set up their next mm -hmm. phase because it's a product mm -hmm. that has to continue. DC tried to mimic that and failed. Yes. So DC was like, you know what? We're going to step back and we're going to let James Gunn, Peter Safran, mm -hmm. you guys, you guys make good content first. Right. Make it superhero tied in content secondary. Whereas right, right now, all these Marvel movies are. It has to fit. It has to fit. It has to fit. I don't care. Mm -hmm. So the stories are suffering. You see that with Quantum Mania. You see that with their TV shows. You see mm -hmm. that with Eternals. Even even Black Panther Ugh. to an extent was not. That's not the story. I don't think that Ryan Coogler wanted to tell. You know, it clearly wasn't. Even clearly with, even wasn't. with, I, I, with I think the, that was the untimely passing of Chadwick, which is terrible. But right. that could have still been a great movie and a great story. And I feel like he had his hands tied. You know, in the story he wanted to tell with that, because you can see the difference between the first movie and the second right. movie. The right. 
The well, first movie was a good movie first, a right? superhero movie second. True, Wakanda Forever true. was a product built around I'll, the superhero brand. I'll tell you how right you are about that. If you were to take Black Panther, the first movie, and extract it from the Infinity Saga, you could still tell the Infinity Saga and never lose a beat. Yep. Like, never. And because the only thing that truly connects it directly in is the after credit scene that shows Bucky was in Wakanda. That's uh-huh. it. Everything about Black Panther as a as a film, the first film uh, franchise, was so far removed and, in my opinion, was meant to be a, okay, we gave it to you, now shut up and leave us alone so we can tell this bigger story. And it became so popular and unexpectedly so profitable, to them. very unexpected, like, because... And, and this is the thing, like, again, when you're when you're knee deep into it, like like I tend to get uh, Black Panther domestically made more money uh, than Infinity War did. And that's something where you're like, wait, what? You're like, yeah. yeah. Here in the United States, Black Panther made more money than Infinity War did. That's how you knew, like, everything that happens after that with Black Panther now they are part of the corporate equation because exactly. it's too profitable not to. So we got we to gotta hands on this one. We got to wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, no, let's let's tie this into the greater scheme of things uh-huh. where it worked better when they were just allowed to tell their own story. You, know? you can see it even in the press. So like I'm big on watching like press conferences and interviews and stuff like that. If you watch Ryan Cooler at the, uh, um, uh, what was it? Ease round, director round table talking mm-hmm. about the first movie. He was mm-hmm. passionate. He was hot. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is what I'm doing. This is amazing. I'm making I'm making a film, but it's also a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Crickets. Mm-hmm. Crickets around Wakanda forever. He wow. shows up. He does his press conferences. He answers the questions. He goes home. He's wow. not excited. He's not, not passionate. He's, he's doing what he has to do for the paycheck. Yeah. And you can Compliance. see it in, in the way that he in the way that he handles it. And how yeah. much of that material he didn't get to be a part of? How much of that was farmed out to VFX houses? Nothing against the VFX houses. Those sure, guys do sure. incredible work. They have nothing to do with what's wrong with that movie. But so much of it is farmed out. And he has no, he's not, he doesn't participate in the editing. He's not on the cutting room floor, making sure everything fits together. Marvel's doing that. The studio's doing that. They said, right. okay, you showed up, you shot the scenes you needed. Now go home. Your name gets to be in the credits. Thank you. Right. Now, now it's our turn. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's not it's a, how it's a definitive difference. So I would be I would be interested to see if James Gunn poaches him to come make oh some some DCU would, films. You imagine because he's the only one. He's the only one of those directors working right oh. now that I could oh. see going and making something amazing. Everybody say about this, okay. Yeah, I don't care about huge. the Russo brothers making stuff. Huge. It's you know Peyton Reed's not going to go make anything groundbreaking. Watts isn't going to go make anything groundbreaking. But James Gunn could get Coogler to go make a fucking movie. Now you just be like, what do you want to make? Right. Do it. Right. Because Kugler's in it too. He's a big old freaking nerd. He knows yeah. his stuff. Yeah. He knows his comics. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, chill, I think it's chills. funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to to hear um firsthand conversations from you know the other side and and how um when you have these big projects, how things can get disjointed. Um, and understandably so, because there's a lot of hands at play, but you know, when we have this assumption that, that this company as Marvel Studios is has this major plan and everything works out so very well because they planned it all. And just the little things that you see where you go, that's not true here because of this and this, and that um, one of the big ones. And again, big shout out to Sean. Um, it kind of got brought up and he laughed it off. And I appreciate you know his showmanship with being able to be like, hey, it happens. Right. Craglin not being actively a part of the Guardians showcase in Infinity War doesn't make any sense because as Guardians, you know, one and two showed, he was there. Like he was with, you know, the Guardians, particularly at the end of volume two, he was a Guardian. So when uh, the Guardians show up in Infinity War and he's not there, you're like, why not? Like what, what has happened here? And it's a, it's a matter of, you know, people having vision, not necessarily communicating about, okay, where is everything? This is, well, this is what I want to happen. Okay, but where is everybody to afford that happening? Because right. those are two different things. You know, if you don't account for where everybody is, 
you drop the ball somewhere. And, you know, us as, you know, comic book heads, you know, we are the 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 forebearers of the of actually crowd. You know what I mean? So when you don't have something that lines up, you can't help but be like, um, actually, you should have been there because da-da-da-da-da. And, right. you know, that kind of showcases behind the curtain and kind of reveals the movie making process and how disjointed it can be. Um, with a creator like James Gunn who pays attention to that kind of stuff, I can't I can't wait to see how he's going to connect these things that um, are so big and separated, but still powerfully connected, you know, yeah. um, under this headline, Gods and Monsters, you know, that being the first chapter. And it's not, OK, well, we got to start with Superman because Superman. No, he's actually like, here's an overarching thing and Superman's a part of it. Yeah. But let's let's think big picture and then break down what what do we need in order to build that yep that's that's great storytelling yeah yeah he's playing with legos marvel is not anymore you know what i mean they're playing with duplos yeah man (laughs) they got some duplos some legos and they're trying to figure out how to fit them all together and some like, mega blocks. Mega <laughs> like, oh, not the mega it's blocks. One, it's one blur. It's one brand. It's one brand. You're like, you know, when you're sitting there and you're making something as a kid, and you find the one that's the wrong brand, and you're like, that doesn't get out of here. Get that out of here. <laughs> and then you step on it later. You mean that's your day to day anyway with the kids? Well, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, no kidding, man. That's real. That's real. That's <laughs> uh, funny. I wanted I to it. mention one thing about my love of James Gunn goes back, obviously, to his earlier career. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure you know, but me having a very special place in my heart for trauma and knowing oh, yeah. that's, that's where his roots come from. Mm-hmm. I have faith in him from that alone. And the fact that, you know, Lloyd believed in him at such an early time in his career, you know, yeah. before he was doing anything. And I love to see Lloyd get thrown in there, you know, in the movies and stuff. Big shout but, out to uh, Kaufman, man. Like innovator. Innovator. And he's still at it. He yes. is not yes. stopping. Yes. I mean, I really want to know what's going on with this Toxie movie though. Like not for nothing. I just you've heard nothing. I know we're gonna yeah. se- I don't yeah. mean the segue, but Toxie, come on. That's what's real. going That's on? Real. Come on. We we need <laughs> we need more toxic Avenger in our life. Come on. I do like though. I mean, that's that's one thing, but I like how quiet they've been. I like it's not been showy. I like that he's not promising 150 different things. He's like, hey, nose to the grindstone. We're working. We'll Mm -hmm. show you something when it's Mm -hmm. ready to show, as opposed to showing off a bunch of half finished stuff. Like, hey, get excited. He's like, no, no, no. Seriously, be excited because we're making good stuff. Right, right. We are taking our time and building this. Yeah, he's not a talk about a guy. He's a be about it guy. And I like yes. that. That's but he's also in your good. face and he will call people out on Twitter, which I absolutely oh. so great. Oh. It's so great because people amazing. are spreading all these crazy rumors. He's like, Even false. like <laughs> variety and like reputable <laughs> outlets are talking stuff. And he's like, nope, I literally no, did not, not say true. that. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Yeah, no. Show me. Show me. <laughs> exactly. And, no. Where's yeah. your receipt? <laughs> exactly. Have you guys ever met him? No. Oh, one of my great pleasures. He is. I, I hosted a panel for him. Uh, through it was Supercon in Louisville uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, once they transitioned to Galaxy Con, I think I saw him again at another show there. But that man is magic because he fully is aware of his cultural place, but it does not create a big head for him. He's like, no, like there's still more stuff. You know, yeah. there there are things that are bigger than me, but I know that I've had an impact. And he is so comfortable in that space in his own skin that he is absolutely brilliant and a wonderful person to talk to. That'd be great. So insider baseball, Benny and I have a wish list of like people that we eventually want to want to get on the show. And I will tell you that James Gunn is quite high on 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 our internal wish list behind the (laughs) scenes. We have a Google Doc of like who (laughs) do we want to try to hit at some point as we grow this channel. Yeah, he's we can we can can put some words out. I mean. We know people who know people. So, you know, that's yeah, the key, yeah. man. Yeah, it's but, always that. It's always that. So, we'll we'll circle, we'll come back. We'll come we'll yes. come off of off of branded comics. So, I want to talk about you create. Um yes. because to me that is such a cool thing. So, my daughter is 7, she's about to be 8. Um mm-hmm. and she's fallen in love with like the Captain Underpants, all the Dave Pilkey stuff, and yes. he has the Comic Creators Club. 
Mm-hmm. So every month he has a new comic and you can print out the prompt. So I run off to the UPS store. That's I print genius. out the prompt. My my daughter fills in whatever she wants. And then you take a picture and you submit it to him. And he puts yeah. them on his website every month. Get like, out. hey, here are the kids. Here are the kids that sent in their comics this month. Wow. Look at them. And you can scroll Come through on. them and see all the different kids that have submitted their take on oh. his prompt which is the coolest thing in the world. Absolutely. And he sends them a little membership card that they can they can draw a picture of themselves and put their name mm-hmm. on it and you're part of you're part of Pilkey's uh crew and his his uh oh, like comic creators crew. So so this though is like the it's a very similar in a similar vein but yes. designed towards classrooms and getting yes. that stuff into schools and helping kids learn how to do it along the way. So uh just talk about that a little bit like what what brought you to that and where do you see that going so it's all part of my comic book origin story which is i didn't like reading as a kid i didn't have any deficiencies or struggles i just didn't like it and it was mostly due to the content right like again being this kid late 80s early 90s in columbus you give me huck finn i don't care about huck finn as a story like it doesn't resonate with me um but i love pop culture and so when they announced on the news that superman was gonna die i'm like I want to read that. Like, I know Superman. I've seen movies. You can't kill Superman. Like, what are you talking about? You don't tug on his cape. How are you going to kill him? I want to read that. And and viscerally, that emotion, that feeling, um, being excited about content um, for the first time in my in my life. Like, I wanted to be a part of that. And my mom got me comics, started, like, this whole pathway for me, which was now I'm reading, uh, I'm getting into these characters, I'm getting into this idea of stories and, and story arcs and concepts and things like that. And I'm like, well, I want to create things like this. And so recognizing that I am not unique in that way, I, I held on to it for years and years and years. Like maybe there needs to be something like this that that would have benefited me as a kid that didn't exist when I was a kid. Let me make that because I know that I can't be the only one. So I created the Ucreate line almost like in tandem with my with launching my my publishing imprint and immediately found success. Uh, yeah. Like within the first six months of creating it, was hired um, with my local library to host, I think it was 21, um, 21 sessions or workshops with my local community that following summer. And it just kind of kept building from there. You know, it was like, well, okay, we're starting off with creating characters. What kind of things can we get into about telling stories and, and drawing and, and kind of creating massive pieces and worlds and empowering students um, to be creative all on their own? Like not saying, oh, when I grow up, I want to be able to do. No, no, no. You do it right now because there's nothing to stop you from doing it right now. Um, as I've grown and, and again, names like Mo Willem and, and Dave Pilkey. Those are my inspirations for different ways to do things. I, I didn't know about Dave's. Um, is mail order club, which is absolutely brilliant. But it's so funny because I live in what I call a geek desert. So on my side of town, there are no comic shops, despite the fact that there are like six or seven of them in Columbus, but yeah. none on my side of town. So my my neighborhood doesn't have access to that kind of stuff. So that's my new move is to create a uh, mail order system with my you create line where just for kids in my neighborhood, like it's it's not for everybody. I just want to be able to walk around and say, hey, kid, do you, you ever create a comic? No, I've never done that. Here, create something, you know, yeah. and empower the kids in my neighborhood with this opportunity to say, I can I can tell a story if I want to. I can create a character if I want to. Um, I can make myself a hero if I want to. Um, I, I can even go as far as to express uh, struggles that I'm having emotionally, psychologically, turn those into characters and deal with them in that way if I want to. And who knows where that, that takes me. I don't have to just be an athlete. I don't just have to be a musician. I can find other out, outlets and avenues of creativity that will sustain me and promote me. And that's that's my thing, um, you know, of a, of a Dave Pilkey scale, just kind of scale down to a more localized level. But that is the way, because if we don't do this, we don't grow and see the the next generation of creators and readers you know we don't take the time to do that we lose out so that is such a brilliant thing i love that dave is doing that and i hope i do it justice on my little local level of doing so because that's we all have that responsibility you know i think there's some people that would say oh dave is doing it well he's much bigger than me i can't do that 
I don't know that these kids have access to him like that. Exactly. So let me be that. You know. Well, like I said, even I, if I want it, I have to, I have to shoot over because I don't own a printer in my house. Gotcha. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. I, I shoot over to the UPS store and I have mm -hmm. the UPS store print me out copies for. Her. So like, you're absolutely right. Well, Everybody does yep. not have access to these kind of things or doesn't necessarily know about it. Right. You know, especially right. at a local level. So exactly. No, I think it's exactly. awesome. And thank you. So do you feel like? So like, especially for me, when I was, when I was growing up and probably you guys too, there was reading mm -hmm. and there were comics. Two different and if you were reading comics, you weren't reading. You weren't reading. Oh, You're looking at God. pictures. It's not reading. Listen, You're not reading. Don't, no, go read, go read a book. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel it's different now it's being in schools no. and doing this stuff? Is it, is it yes. looked at differently? Is comic comics are reading now? Yes. And Good. the benefit is Folks like us that suffered the separation have now come into positions of power. We can say, no, there was actual legitimacy in what we were reading in this content. So oh, let yeah. it let it fly. You know, I was lucky that my mom was like, he's reading something. Let it fly. Like, I don't care what it is. If it's the, the shampoo bottle, he's reading it. Let it let it go. Yeah. And again, we were we were empowered in a place and space to to a degree for some of us where we could actually push to schools or to administrations to say hey this is actual reading material give it the the credence yeah that it deserves you know um i remember being a sophomore in high school and going to uh my english teacher and we were supposed to read things fall apart all due respect to a phenomenal book right um it's a it's a award-winning landmark like classic book Instead, I had just gotten a copy of Kingdom Come, and I used an old Wizard Magazine article that said Kingdom Come was something that was being read in college, college levels. Nice. Uh, let me let me read this for, for class like this is college level book. And like it took some it took some cajoling, but she finally let me do it. And when I turned in my book report, she it was so funny. She was like. This isn't this isn't what comics are like. Like you, exactly. you just read like 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 that's the, I can't I can't. You interpreted this. it in a different way. Like literally, I'm I'm talking about it like it's literature, right? Yeah. And she gives me back my book report ungraded, and she's like, "I'm going to give you an extension to read the other book, and you know, come back with that." And I'm like, "No, I will give you a copy of my book, and you read it, and right. tell me that that's not what I wrote." And she's right. like, "All right, all right." fine and i give it to her over the weekend she comes back that monday i have an a plus and she's like i did not know comics could do this right i didn't know so many like, people just considered them picture books they're just like yeah. it's picture books for grown-ups picture books for nerds people that don't actually want to read like no you don't you don't understand don't just because it, it has less words doesn't mean it has less value right no less right. value no less content just because it has pictures and it's less more, it's words. more value because it's giving you more for your imagination. It can be, it can exactly. be. Yeah. You know, exactly. both sides, both are important. There's, there's mm -hmm. stuff that can only be done in literature and there's stuff, there's stories that can only be told in comics, well, but if you having look at it comics, shift is great. Oh yeah. If you look at comics and visual narration as this new model for communication, when you get uh, instructions, go to Ikea, get a chair, get a couch, the instructions are essentially comics. They're showing you in panel sequence how to put something together. Um, that's a new move when you go to uh, hospitals now. When you go to yeah. a hospital and they try to find out what exactly happened, the reason why they'll show you comic book oriented things is because it doesn't matter what language you speak. Visually, you can say this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and it now creates a narrative that I understand, you understand, and we don't have to speak the same verbal audio yeah. language. It's universal. Point to it. Absolutely. And we've been doing it for so long. People don't even think about it this way. Last time you were on an airplane, when they show you the instruction manual for what to do in case of an emergency, that's a boom, comic book. Boom, boom, boom. Yes, what it is. And so I think when people of, of our age started pointing out like comics are everywhere, you yeah, can't man. say that this isn't literature because this, 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 this and this. And people go, oh, well, I guess that does that does count. And I can't say it's not. So now schools are more apt to be inclusive of comics and graphic novels and things like that because they couldn't fight it anymore. I no. think they had old school ideas that, oh, no, this is this is not real books. But as the new guard came in and they're like, no, nah, it's absolutely books.
Yeah. No, I remember certain words. I remember in junior high and high school and it would be like, you know, library day or whatever. And probably not high school, probably younger, but growing up library mm -hmm. day and you would go and it was like, hey, you can check out three, three books, but two of them have to be novels and you can right. check out one comic or one yeah. manga. Like I remember trying to read Dragon Ball back, wow. you know, in the day and they were like, put that down. Like it was it was a uh, reading time in English class, you know, when you would have like 30 minutes of, of right. private reading time or personal reading. Count. And I try to bust out Dragon Ball and they're like, no, you need a book. Like motherfucker, it's a book. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> Were we looking at something different? I made out of plastic. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, I'm not playing my. I'm not playing my my Game Boy. Uh, right. It's it's a book, and they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Go get a book, book. What is wrong I, I, with you, man? <laughs> I think that's one of the things, though, that uh, globalization has actually afforded us those opportunities because yeah. by being able to have an experience with Japanese culture, especially exactly and a lot of. Like it's you can't tell us that they're not winning on an educational level and they have comics everywhere. Literally. So everywhere. what's the correlation? There's got to be one. Pick it up. Run with it. You know, especially when you're talking about technology, um, styles of comics, um, like all these different things play together very well to create, you know, um, the educational culture that we're trying to emulate. Sorry, my dog is not barking. Oh, yeah. No, I know. We know how it goes. We know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> No, I would I would challenge any of those people to sit mm -hmm. down and like even don't even read it. Watch Cowboy Bebop. Yes. And tell me that is not. Yes. You know, cinema. tell me that's not wrong. a story that you can connect with. Tell me that that Absolutely. is somehow cheapened by being animated or being yeah. a manga. You know, yeah. it just. It's true. Doesn't make yeah. any sense. You have no soul. That's that's what yeah, that's talking. exactly like, it. <laughs> yep. Yep. You were you're being intentionally obtuse at that point. Exactly. Like, because I know you felt something. I know you yeah, felt something right. and can I respect your, I what's happening. I see happening. the tear. I see exactly. the tear right there. Like, just exactly. let it fall. It's your fall. allergies just aren't that bad. Fall. Calm down. Well, mine are so. Well, I say, yeah, maybe maybe Benny's. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, so that we can go back as early as Akira for those that are hey. too. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, come on. Yeah, I've got. I own like three different copies of it because yes. I got the regular Blu-ray, then the collector's Blu-ray, then the collector's mm -hmm. 4K when it came out. Why do mm -hmm. I need that in 4K? I don't, but I wanted it. It but looks I cool on the shelf. Yes, and when you turn it on, you you're taken back to that place in space where you first experienced that, and it's one of the greatest things in the world. Yeah. Like. It's it's funny. Um, we are having this conversation a lot. Um, how accessibility breeds a contempt for the way things made you feel at a yeah. certain point. And in a lot of ways, this is what has made Hollywood a little bit more redundant because um, they're like, oh, we got to recapture this thing. So let's just make another one of those. Yeah, and yeah. that's not it, especially when you have um, you know so many amazing voices that are that are that grew up in what I say is the most innovative time period in cinema outside from when it actually just started, which is the eighties. Um, yeah. And my qualification for eighties starts in 75 and goes to 92. Um, that's my qualification for eighties movie. That's but, a solid criteria. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the things that were the forebearers of what we would consider eighties movies started in the seventies. And yeah. some of them continued like Jurassic park is an, 80s is an eighties movie. movie. Yeah. Like I've, I've four, like I'll die on that hill. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. So when you when you have that as the template um, and it's how so many people, oh, man, I remember how that made me feel. Do you understand what they were doing? And that's the thing that needs to happen. And by they having were innovating, they were innovating. it was it was first that was yes. new. It was a brand new creation, something yes. nobody had ever done, something audiences never. had never seen, never heard. Yeah, there was yeah. no score. Like yeah. John Williams' score in that movie Come until on. that movie Come happened. On. Come on, you know what I mean? Okay, listen. Yeah, who who has ever been afraid of of sharks before Jaws? Nobody. Right. Nobody even cared. Okay, we didn't care. But the thing that 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 all goes back to is this presumption again that by having immediate access and consistent access to it, that it's always been something, and people don't really appreciate exactly what it was. You know, when you have this constant sense, um, again, going back to what we were saying, those kids today that are like, Iron Man is everything and he's the coolest ever. He wasn't. And so you can't appreciate the struggle that we had. If you can you imagine have been, having been an Iron Man fan in like 92, 
Like you would have got laughed out of the room. You would have got laughed out of the comic shop. That's what I'm like, saying. Yeah, like the nerds would have ostracized like, you. Yeah, ass, so here comes Benny. Here. here comes Benny with receipts. Hold on. <laughs> there you go. Here it is. My man. My man. Oh, oh, there saying. it is. Look at That's that goofy motherfucker, man. Listen, you gotta be ready for it. You know what I'm saying? So, so when you when you have that that sensibility of exclusivity, right? Things become better. And and I think that's one of the truisms that, you know, so much of what we've done, um, we've created so many opportunities and inroads that sometimes we have to understand that it's better not to be as widespread, not to be as accessible, not to be as available. And so when there's only a certain number of folks that can get your stuff, it forces you to be better because only a limited number of people can support you. Um, there's so many different things that kind of work in a way that um, we kind of are in that space where we, we've blown up and now we got to come back a little bit and rebuild what it means to be good in this space before we grow up again. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a natural cycle. And I think that that's just one of those things that um, when it comes to movies, comics, all these different things, um, we have to experience it in a in a good way. You know, so I love the fact that comics are more accessible, um, but I also see that by them being more accessible, people are uh, presuming what comics have to be and presuming what, you know, oh, if it's, if it's this kind of comic, then it will be popular. But if it's this kind of comic, it won't be popular. And you go... That's not the way that works. Like, maybe show me anybody that would have known from the onset that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have been what it's become. Like, yeah. what it was isn't what it's become. So, mm -mm. like, you got to let things be very unique in their own way and not try to copy or chase something else. You just have to let it be its own thing and be comfortable with that. Even if that means you got to start off small, right? It'll grow. It'll take. It'll take time, but. Be small, be inaccessible so you can find your core audience so you have that thing to grow into. And I think that's 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 a little gem that I'm dropping for, for anybody that's, that's a creator of any sort and wants yeah. to get into this, this uh, wonderful world of creativity. Man, I think a Very big well part said. of it, too, is is fans. Fans yes. have to be willing to step away from the things that they love mm -hmm. and let somebody else have it for a little while and mm -hmm. understand that it's going to come back. It's going it, to circle back around it because mm -hmm. that it always does. Every single thing made in the thing that you love doesn't have to be yours. No, it doesn't have to be no. geared towards you. Cause guess what? When it came out, it wasn't geared towards 35 year old dudes. It was <laughs> geared towards the kids, man. Now you're 35. Being it's like, literally okay. the same. It's the same business model. Hasn't changed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know what you're saying with, with innovation and stuff, and I'm going to call out your Invincible posters behind you. Thank you. You know, thank you. Invincible did something different. Yes. And something unique in the space. And now you have all these, these copies trying to crop up and yeah. be like, oh, well, we're going to be that way. We're going to do that because that's what's successful. R-rated superheroes, hardcore, right. you know, a, a murder story. Like that right. is... That's what made Invincible good. No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. The no, story is what made Invincible good. good. It there just go. so happens to be told in that way. Yes. So you're copying yes. the wrong thing. Yes. You're it, you're trying to mimic Invincible as opposed to mimic the originality that absolutely. made Invincible good. Absolutely. I am a huge Invincible fan. Big shout out to Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, and Corey Walker for this opus that they yeah. I literally read it at least two to three times a year. It is yeah. one of my favorites. Like, not only do I have posters, big shout out to Terry Huddleston for these posters, but I actually have the cutout of Invincible back there. Oh, nice. In my office. Um, but here's the thing. Okay. So as a, as a storyteller, because I identify as a phenomenological narratologist, I teach the philosophy of storytelling, but here's, I'm going to blow your mind with this one. Invincible is Watchmen, just longer. Right. Like that first arc, yeah, you yeah. have a murder mystery, you have um, archetypal uh, ver versions of, of known characters. Right. Like that is what it is. It is yeah. essentially Watchmen. But no one has been like, oh, Kirkman just copied Watchmen because he didn't just copy Watchmen. Exactly. What he did was he told a great story that when you when you experience it and you start to really break it down and you, you take another the great story, you can say, Oh shit, these are the that's the same thing. But they are innovatively different. They are different like no no comic stories were telling 
what Watchmen was telling at the time. Oh, and then yeah. Invincible did it in a totally different way that made it its own compelling vehicle. Even though if you want to get real nitty gritty, it's the same thing. You yeah. know, you've got between, uh, what is it, Rorschach and Damien Darkblood, the same character. Yep. They're virtually the same character. Um, you've got, you know, Ozymandias, who is supposed to be like the world's coolest guy or whatever. Um, very similar to Omni-Man in a lot yeah. of ways. You know, like all these things exist as this beautiful sort of tapestry piece. And if you just look at them in the right way, you can you can see the similarities. But the similarities is not why they were done. It is just that wonderful thing that we kind of go back and go, oh, snap. That might be one of the, re one of the reasons why I love this. Because yeah. I did love that too. Exactly. But look at how different they are. Like, mm -hmm. be innovative, people. Be innovative. Exactly. It's so important. Be so different. Important. Don't just copy what's working because that's not why it worked. No, no. Do your own and thing. We, yeah. What made it work for, for that may not work for you. Mm -hmm. Find your own thing. I will say that with the struggle of the naysayers in the world mm -hmm. of everything that you do, you know, this goes hand in hand with that. If you're a creator in any way, and people say, oh, the market's saturated. Everybody's doing it. You've done the, you know, what are you doing that stands out? That's the key. What are you doing mm -hmm. that's different? And, you know, if you believe in, in what you're doing, mm -hmm. don't stop. I mean, that's that's where we're at. And, you know, um, anybody that's a creator out there, whether it be comics, movies, music, Absolutely. content creation, simple Absolutely. as that. Content yeah. creation goes miles, miles. Listen, we're, I, I want to give you your, your roses on, on that that statement alone and showcase how in truth we have this lopsided idea of what it means for us to be successful. If you, if you imagine as a goal, getting a thousand people that are willing to spend a hundred bucks a year on you, that's it. Look at how powerful that would be. That's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And when you put it in that, in that context, you go a thousand people, a hundred dollars. That's not that much. You know what I mean? Like that could be as simple as for you guys. If you had two different hoodies, a series of key change, some stickers and some notebooks, you could probably warrant $100 spend. All you have to find are a thousand people that are supporting your podcast to go, I want that. Yep. And theoretically, depending on where you live, I mean, because cost of living is a thing. If y'all split that evenly, right? You're looking at maybe somewhere around $45,000 a piece. Yeah. Depending on your cost of living, like congratulations, yeah. you, you've done it. Like you now are living off of your passion and all you needed were a thousand fans. Yeah. That's it. Doesn't have to be huge That's million pieces. Like it doesn't have to be that localized, concentrated. That's all you need. Yep. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Oh, very welcome. Very, very welcome. Yeah. Take that run. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, as, as Tyler knows, and everybody on the show that listens, I'm a man of many brands over many years. As I said, Victor, you know me from several of those. Several, several. And, um, you know, right now, realistically, it's all falling under the Press for Time Productions branch. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it'll all be cohesive. And, you know, we just we hope to have great people like you on the show. And we just hope to move forward with that. And, you know, just again, creating is all about like just being being you being the unique person that you feel you are don't be afraid to you know think about how somebody else is going to feel mm -hmm. it doesn't yep. matter you yep. know you put, put your heart out there i got a six-year-old well seven-year-old now that is into five nights at freddy's and you know the kid is drawing better than adults yeah so i thought i thought you'd appreciate that Vic. and i I'll, i gotta send you some pictures yes the kids are literally just watching stuff so you've inspired me to have him check out your content so that's going to be Thank a big you. thing yeah and this is what it's all about connecting the dots and Always. i see a roomba that's just throwing me off yeah right now. sorry my it, with the with the kids and the dog out of the house the vacuum was like all right it's quiet it's that's time for time. me to clean yeah <laughs> now nah, my dog's not gonna jump on me dude my dog hates that thing hates that thing so he's not here today to make an appearance but i've got a baby german shepherd a baby he's 85 pounds oh yeah he's oh, yeah. eight he's eight months old so oh, if this vacuum dude insane. if this vacuum goes off crazy. Yes. Kill it. I'm gonna yes. kill it. how do i kill this thing just just <laughs> leaping and smacking it and flipping right. it mm -mm. nope <laughs> oh, nope no robot is safe 
That's with Apollo. Uh, that is amazing. Well, I just want to leave with one last thing. I just wanted to ask you, like, how's it been in the world of the con life? You know, has that been since the pandemic? You know, it's great to see that Philly and PA, well, FanFest is in Oaks, right? So it's not really uh, Philly. Is that the... the no, the... no, no, no. Uh, Fan Expo, it's... it's. Um, is it in Philly? Right outside of, or right beyond Chinatown? Right at the Okay, center, okay, right so it's in... The, okay. Yeah. Where Wizard World was. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're okay. Taking the same space. Because I, I feel like I'm sure you've heard of Oaks mm -hmm. uh, in the Greater oh, yeah. Philly. I thought mm -hmm. that's where it was. Got it. No, no, okay. no, no, no. They're they're taking over the Wizard World location, um, right along with that Wizard World uh, uh, branding for Philly. Um, but the what's interesting is the comeback has been a slow groove. Um, there, there are a lot of things that need to be um, kind of addressed and handled on all sides. I think. With COVID, Comic-Cons need to understand that comic creators especially had to find ways to survive without them. And so you have to take care of them in a different way than you ever did before. Because what you don't want is for comic creators to go, I actually don't need you. Because that would be such a huge portion of the con gone. And right. if you don't really give them their credence for their value, that's going to hurt you. Um, I do think that Fan Expo does a phenomenal job showcasing comic creators. Um, they have a whole branch of, of programming and things like that strictly for comic creators, which I think is brilliant. Um, but overall, we're seeing that people are a little bit scared. Um, and 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 though that's changing, but it's very slow. You know, we were had a hustle and bustle about stuff for a long time. Um, and people, I think, are now a little bit more timid uh, um, than they ever were before. But we are still getting back together. We are still congregating. And we're finding new ways to engage with people that I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, we're tapping markets that, um, you know, people haven't, haven't experienced before. Uh, this coming show up at Dallas, uh, second weekend in June, I'm working with Carrie Ann Moss. And it's her first show. And I'm like, yeah. that's crazy. Like, Trinity's never done a Comic-Con? And they're like, no. And I'm like. What, a, what an honor for that. That's yeah, right. That's really you know what cool. I'm saying? Like, it's. Thank you. Yeah, but that's the really idea cool. that, that, you know, this phenomenon like the Matrix can still come back and have this new relevance in this space. Um, it's giving that opportunity um, for people to uh, experience their fandom on a totally different level. And uh, I think we've had enough time where the precision, you know, big shout out to the Comic Cons that know how to do this are making sure that what they're putting on is both great for the attendees and the guests that they're bringing in. Um, and, and they know how is just making sure that they are evolving that concept to be as uh, future forward as possible. Yeah. yeah. They watched E3 fumble that ball. Right. They were like, we do not want to do that. We don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah. We watched so, that happen. Let's, mm -hmm. let's avoid it. Well, that's literally what you were just saying about yeah. the whole, we don't need you. That's right. That's exactly example. what happened. Everybody pulled out because E3 was yep. E3 was not creator focused. E3 was E3 was make money on the creators right. focused, which, you know, you know, Jeff Keighley went and did. I could do that. Yeah, I could do that myself. I can I can do and that Jeff did from it. home. Well, Jeff Keighley did it and then made a big show. But all mm -hmm. the companies were like, hmm. We probably don't need to pay a million dollars to go show off our games. We can do it on YouTube. Yep. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Everybody will watch from home and it costs us nothing. Right. So, you know, when, when we're in that place and space, it is imperative that companies stay innovative. Yeah. Um, organizations keep their eyes open for new opportunities, figure out ways to attract new voices mm -hmm. and prop them up. Don't just, don't just try to take advantage. Exactly. To create a value. Because exactly. We'll create our own. So right, yep, I love it. Well, it's just I mean, it all goes back to that. It's that same that same through line with the creation all the way through the showcasing. That's right. That's Innovate, right. take advantage of what you can, and be stand out. Be something special. That's right. That's right. Love Even it. If it's only to, to a thousand people, right? Be special. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Thank well, dude, thank, thank you, you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Guys. I've had so much I fun. Pleasure. Yeah, we uh, we hope everybody. Make sure to check out the links. We're going to make sure all of Victor's content is going to be in the YouTube and yep. in the uh, Spotify. We're going to definitely connect again without a doubt. Yes. It's, it's been too long. And I love the fact that you guys are both from Ohio, which is another. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And like tissue. know the same oh, areas. Man. Yeah. I've spent a ton of time <laughs> know, right? in Columbus. Like, I mean, I'm from Cincinnati, but 
Right. I have I've spent plenty of time in Columbus. Still, so it's that 71 connect. We're like right Yes, exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. It's not it's an hour and a half, but it feels like that. you know, nothing. Yeah. You know, because you know you're gonna stop in, in Tanger's Mall. Exactly. Yeah, you know? Washington Courthouse. You're gonna go, you're gonna stop. Oh, I hit the tri- so that's the Chipotle that I go to when you I live in know. Cincinnati. I would drive because I would make that drive to get my tattoo and I would need uh, some food. I would hit that Chipotle and I'd come back through. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's it right there. Oh, man. Uh, no, so let's guys. once we have so I think uh, once we have an idea of what's happening mm-hmm. with the DCU with with James Gunn's DC, we need to do another show and sure. we need to talk about what DC is doing. And maybe we'll know some more about how Marvel's kind of trying to pick up the slack at that point. Of course. That would be a good show. I love it. I love you're it. welcome back anytime, brother. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if you seriously. have anything you want to showcase, anything that you're like, hey, I need I need to put some more eyes on this. Okay. Let us know, man. We'll do we'll do a you centric show. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, fellas, so very yeah. much. Yep. You too. Thank well, you. everybody, thanks for watching as always. We hope you have a great week. Yep. Happy holiday for the wolves that are celebrating Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Until next time, take care and have fun. See you guys.